This week's episode is sponsored by Spaces. Spaces is a new platform backed by 15 plus years of educator feedback designed to document the process and progress behind student learning in your classroom. Join the Spaces community to connect with educators across North America and gain access to free teacher-created resources, help educators who are just starting out on their journey, and learn new things from teachers who have been there before. So visit community.spacesedu.com today. Uh, is this the teacher hotline? everyone welcome back again to the teacher hotline where we try to answer some of the most pressing questions for teachers in and outside the classroom my name is ronald hay and i'm going to be your host today our question comes from nicole from the toronto district school board she called in last week with a couple of questions regarding sports psychology so why don't we replay that question for our listeners again hey ron I've been a basketball coach for the last 15 years of my career, where basketball students are training at a high level in hopes of playing at the college or pro level. The one thing I've been thinking a lot about lately as we prepare for the school year is the area of sports psychology. Most of my PD and training has been tactical and strategic at coaches' clinics, but I know that sports goes beyond that, and there's a huge mental piece. Our school doesn't have access to a sports psychologist, so sometimes the coaches take on that role. And as a result, we deal with a lot of burnout, performance anxiety issues, staying motivated, and rehabbing from injury, just to name a few. So I was wondering if maybe you knew someone that you could bring on to point coaches in the right direction for resources, and how coaches can help their athletes through these common issues without having the proper training. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much, Nicole. So last week we had Sean Poitras, a social science teacher from Appleby College, and he has an extensive background in sports psychology. And he's our expert today to discuss some of these topics around some of these common issues that coaches have to deal with with their players. So we are going to chat with Sean again this week and talk about specifically stresses when it comes to sports rehab and team dynamics and coaching. And if there is a correlation between team cohesion and team performance. So, Sean, welcome back to the show. Oh, thanks for having me on again. This is great. Uh, yeah, we had a lot to get through last week, uh, so I'm glad we were able to uh, get it going again. Let's talk about stresses in rehab. And I know this is a, a tough topic, especially with coaches, again, that are they're just normal teachers, just a regular guy like me and you that don't have any, perhaps, coaching background. But then they're dealt with you know, a lot of mental health challenges from their athletes going through some of these rehab programs. And we see it in pro athletes all the time, you know, guys going through Tommy John surgery, ACL surgeries, like they don't come back the same player again. And that could be devastating news for a young athlete trying to make a career into, into sports. So let's see if we can come up with some sort of tips or some sort of takeaway for some of these coaches with helping their athletes get through some of these toughest moments in their life. So number one, my question for you, Sean, is, is there anything coaches can actually do to help their players through the rehab process? 
Um, or is it one of those things where, you know what, you know, it's, it's really going to be all dependent on the player and what they do with their, their physiotherapist. Yeah, that, that is a pressing question. You know, coaches obviously care about their, their athletes and uh, they want to be able to be there for them as much as they possibly can. Um, I think when it comes to kind of the mental components that can be tricky and trickier to, uh, to attend to rather than the X's and O's in, uh, in a coaching experience, um, you know, some of the, the best approaches or, or one of the, I guess, best pieces of advice I would give um, to a coach from the get-go, even before we reach, uh, you know, any, any injuries or, or uh, kind of mental breakdowns from our athletes is to establish kind of the, the fundamentals of, of their coaching practice. I mentioned them in our, our last talk um, at kind of breaking down performance into kind of those four subcategories, right? So obviously the physical performance side of it. Um, so competition, any kind of performance can be, you know, physical, it can be tech, uh, technical, right? We, there's going to be technique to every performance or any sport, uh, tactical, obviously when you get into more elite level, uh, sport, you know, you want to kind of get the benefit of, of, you know, how to win, how to beat the team tactically, but then the fourth would, would be mental. And I think, you know, anybody who's ever competed in any kind of performance would agree that those would be kind of the four, four fundamentals of any performance and going into, um, you know, a coaching role and establishing that each four are just as each one is just as important as the other. Um, you know, and even if you were to have most athletes rank or give a percentage for, you know, how much of their game is physical, tactical, technical, or mental, um, you know, so many of them would report that the mental aspect is that much more important. Um, however, we often don't do much to to uh, attend to that or to practice it or train that component. Um, so for coaches just right out of the gate to make that known that it is, it is of importance to them, there's something therapeutic just in, uh, in that recognition. Now, when it does come to overcoming concepts or, or issues or um, situations like sport injuries, um, or, you know, athletes that are, are dealing with any kind of uh, performance or mental performance breakdown. Um, again, it is, it is more of a, a, uh, a support role, right? There, there certainly is a therapeutic, um, something therapeutic about sitting down with a sports psychologist, somebody that is, you know, unfortunately not the coach, um, you know, there, there is an aspect of kind of stepping out of that comfort zone, um, and, and meeting with a, with a professional. Um, but I think when it comes to what the coach can do on their end, uh, you know, a lot of it will, will, like I said, it's kind of more of in a, in a support role, um, understanding what the, the issues may be. Most times when you're talking about athletes coming, coming off of a, an injury, um, you know, I would say from my, my experience, nine times out of 10, the big issue is that fear of re-injury, right? So understanding that, you know, the athlete isn't going to be in the exact same state of mind as they were before an injury. This is now a hurdle that they need to overcome that fear of re-injury. 
And that can be tough, right? If uh, you know, anybody who's ever suffered a, you know, any kind of a, uh, an injury that left them, you know, on crutches or, you know, disabled for, for any length of time, you know that it does take a while to build that trust um, and, you know, the trust in that, that limb or in that, uh, that performance, whether it be, you know, throwing a ball after a Tommy John surgery like he gave or, uh, you know, like walking on, a, on an injured knee. Uh, so, again, understanding the problem and, again, just showing that support. We talked about how to build trust um, or where confidence essentially comes from. The idea of confidence and trust kind of go hand in hand. So if we look at where confidence is born, um, we talked about the idea of verbal persuasion, um, you know, and, and where where we can uh, kind of build on confidence. Uh, so coaches, again, that's the end goal. It's building that that confidence back up, um, you know, following, following an injury. So we actually uh, had a funny little run-in at a clinic that I used to work at. Uh, so I, I used to work at a uh, Oakville sport physio clinic. And uh, so my, my sole role there was to work with injured athletes. And yeah, it was a funny little, little coincidence that actually Ron, that was uh, your doctor's office, I believe. <laughs> and uh, yeah, <laughs> you walked in and that was hilarious. Yeah, saw my, uh, saw my pretty face up on the, on the television there, but <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> that, that clinic was, was chock full of really high performing athletes. You know, they did a lot of work with, uh, with athletes in the GTA and uh yeah dr willem is is definitely an outstanding uh you know sports uh, sports physician um but he he recognized that there certainly was a mental component to to a rehab program and seeking out a physiotherapist seeking out a uh you know a a doctor that can kind of monitor your physical well-being um it also required kind of that, that mental prep for return to play. Um, and so the kind of work that, that I would actually do would essentially be kind of scenario visualizations and goal setting. Those would be kind of the three, the three pieces. So I would make sure that the athlete I was working with was attending as many practices and games as they could. Right. So whether that just means sitting in the stands if the injury was, you know, less severe where they actually could, you know, somewhat get involved in, in a, uh, a drill or something in practice, um, you know, they would, they would do as much as they could, but remaining, remaining a part of the team. And right. And you talked about that cohesion piece, um, you know, look at it like a house of cards. If you, if you take one, one card out, you know, you do see a disruption in the entire team and for injured players, you know, we saw it, uh, with the, uh, this last season with the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, you know, with, uh, their captain getting injured in one of the first games. Uh, yeah, the whole team, you know, I'm not going to say that's the, the sole reason for it, but it probably played a role. They you, fell apart. They did oh. fall apart as usual. <laughs> You know the the Leafs curse, but uh, you know it it certainly I would imagine played a role, especially because it was a leader on that team, and uh, that cohesion piece is huge. And whenever an athlete, whether it's a a first line first line all star leader, or if it's a kind of a fourth line grinder, or a you know a, a bench warmer, 
when you see somebody, a teammate go down with an injury, it does disrupt that, uh, that flow of, of the cohesion on a team. Um, so I would always recommend that the athlete stays as much involved with the team as they can. So attending practices, attending games, um, the next piece would be kind of that visualization, right? I, it, it, it's always been something that, you know, was, was kind of that, uh, you know, wishy-washy kind of side of sports psych where it was like, oh, you know, picture, picture the, the ball going into the net and <laughs> you know, visualize the puck soaring through the air. And it can be a little, you know, it, it's often the butt of all jokes for sports psychology, but um, it, it is pretty outstanding. Some of the research that have looked, has looked into, uh, you know, kind of studies that, you know, utilize a proper visualization uh, regimen or practice or schedule with, with athletes versus, um, those that, that didn't. And, uh, even just personal testimonies, not even just anecdotal, but, you know, personal testimonies of, um, of, of how the, uh, the visualization can work. Um, it essentially raises your comfort level, right? It, it gives you the feeling that you have done something before and that you can do it again. Um, you know, coming from a background, you know, the, the best example that I, I gave when I was, when I was young, a young buck, I used to be a, be a big skateboarder, right? And um, skateboarding was an interesting one when it came to, to that concept, right? If you, you could be trying all, all month, all, you know, for weeks trying to land a trick and you couldn't do it. And the moment that you landed it, you knew that you could do it it was on lock. Like now you could do it over and over and over again, but all you had to land at one time. So wouldn't it be great if we could land that trick in our mind, get that first one out of the way and then move on to developing that consistency and mastering the skill. Right. So that's essentially what visualization looks to do. Um, you know, I, I, that sounds like something a coach can do. Like that does, do you need a sports psychologist to, to help? No, with visualization? no, not any something? like, there's certainly, uh, you know, technique and, and um, you know, di different approaches that sports leagues can, can provide, but um, no, you're, you're dead on. That's something that most athletes should be practicing and they probably have their own way that they already do it. You know, thinking back to, you know, the first kind of school presentation you probably ever gave, um, you know, as, as, like I'm even thinking for myself, right? You would do that mental rehearsal to make sure, you know, okay, this is my part, and I I gotta say this, this, and this, and I want to say it like this, and I want to stand like this, and you know, you go through that mental rehearsal, and we do it naturally, right? As as humans, we want to we practice, right? We want to be ready. Um, you know, it's uh, as a performer, you know, as a, as a comic, I'm I'm certain that that mental rehearsal is yeah. is very important to you. Um, sure. but again, is that something that you attend to, or is it something you just naturally do? And, you know, if you're, if it's effective when you're just naturally doing it, how much more effective could it be when you are consciously making that attempt to, to strengthen a skill, right? When you're drawing your attention to it, your right. concentration to it. Let's uh, switch gears for a moment. Um, we promised our listeners that we'd also talk about team dynamics and, the role, the, uh, the cohesion a team has, and does it actually play a role in team performance? 
So what I'm really getting at is, is there a correlation between team cohesion and finding success on the field and court? And I know, you know, you see a lot of pro coaches, you know, they talk about this, right? We see that um, in the documentary with Phil Jackson with the Michael uh, Michael Jordan documentary, trying to build team cohesion there, right? Popovich and basketball again, using a couple of basketball coaches. Um, there's some baseball coaches as well. Um, I, can't, I can't remember his name now. There, there was a former Tampa Bay Rays uh, coach that was really, really all about that, you know, making their players dress up ridiculously. I think it was Joe Madden, actually, uh, dress up ridiculous outfits to go on the bus and come off the bus. Um, so there are coaches that place a heavy emphasis on team cohesion. My question is, is there actual hard evidence that shows that a team that likes each other performs better on the court or field? Absolutely. Um, you know, two, two great local minds, uh, you know, come, come to mind for me. Um, actually, one we've talked about already, Dr. Uh, Michelle Patterson, right at our Appleby Zone. She specialized in, in group dynamics and actually a colleague of hers was one of my professors up at uh, Laurentian. Um, he was uh, he was my thesis advisor, and both of them specialized in in this topic of group dynamics. So, Dr. Mark Eyes, um, from he's from Western University originally, and uh, taught up at Laurentian. I believe he's down at Laurier now. He uh, he's written a couple books on on exactly that group dynamics and the importance of of a of a cohesive team, a cohesive unit. Um, and, you know, I don't think it's any secret or surprise that, yeah, people that like each other uh, tend to, to perform well, you know. Um, you see it everywhere from, you know, the whether it's teaching teams or, you know, the office spaces or, you know, even you know, lunchroom cafeterias, if you're, if you're in a group that, you know, you can talk to and you have something in common with, you may have a shared goal. Um, absolutely. There's going to be, um, you know, more productivity, more achievement, um, you know, more motivation to be successful as well. Um, you know, if you're looking at specifically the, the, uh, athletic side of it, um, yeah, there's tons of evidence, both, you know, scientific evidence, if you look at the actual research, but also just like you said, observable uh, anecdotal research that, um, you know, every successful team, even coming down to, you know, the last Stanley Cup, the Tampa Bay, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, they would talk about, you know, how great a group of guys it was, um, you know, even this this past Olympics, we just saw Team Canada, women, the women's team Canada win gold. And um, every interview I listened to, starting with, uh, you know, Sinclair there, was was all talking about how tight the team has been over the however many years. And, um, you know, the things that they would that they would do, whether it's, um, you know, the travel, the hotels, the practices, the routines, the, uh, you know, like you said, even the, even the dress, like, you know, most teams will get that, you know, the team, the team merch, right. The team, uh, team merch that the, the, either the school or the team provides. And there's something about, you know, wearing the same gear that, yeah, makes you feel more part of a, of a, I mean, or accepted by a group. And that's interesting uh, that you say that because our athletic director, uh, 
Lou, one of the mm-hmm. things that when he came into the role, he told all the coaches was make sure that when we arrive at the other school's arena, that we're all dressed in the same outfit. Like we want head to toe Applebee gear. Like you're not showing up in your own, you know, uh, Nike oh, yeah. gear, Nike sweater, Adidas shoes, like show up in Applebee gear and you're yeah. not hopping on the bus unless you're all dressed head to toe. And I remember that being a difficult thing to enforce as a coach because it's like you're kind of it seems so nitpicky, but it's also kind of a big deal at the same time based off of academic research. Oh, absolutely. You know, and I, and I applaud uh, Lou for, for taking that stance and all the coaches that, that do enforce it. You know, I know for, for our varsity boys hockey program, that was a big one. And, um, you know, there were players in the past that, yeah, would push the limits there, uh, you know, maybe wearing their house shirts or something, house colors and, uh, you know, thinking it was Applebee gear, but it was, no, we want you to be in your track suit like the Applebee jumpsuit, double blue, top and bottom. That is what we wear on away games. Um, and in the past, we've, you know, given them the uh, the ability to kind of switch it up. We did golf shirts and and khaki pants one year. But again, the, the end result is uniform, right? You, you show up to a game in uniform and every, even if you look at all the Disney movies that have, you know, the Disney sports movies, where, you know, the Mighty Ducks are showing up there and they're in, you know, if they're playing the team that is decked out head to toe in, you know, their branded gear, that's gives the the idea that they're the they're the team that has it all together. They're the team to beat. You know, they're the ones that uh, you know, their talent almost is reflected in their dress. Right. It's so funny that you say that. I was uh, I, I joined a softball league in a men's league on Thursday, and uh, you know the team we're, we're a bunch of you know thirty some some even forty year old folks, and we saw that we were going to play a team that was that looked like they were in high school still. Okay. To be honest yeah. with you, uh, young guys, but they were all dressed head to toe in the same uniform. And our guys, you know, we had our regular t shirts, and a couple guys had some uniforms. Other people don't. And then we looked at them. We're like, man, these guys look good. Like it actually got into our heads. We're like, Absolutely. man, these guys, they're going to kill us. And the funny thing was we destroyed them. They sucked. <laughs> it was just mind blowing. Like we had guys that couldn't even run to first base and we absolutely destroyed these kids. Uh, but before the game, we're like, man, these guys look incredible. It's true. And it, it does send a message. And, you know, if you have, if we're looking at teams that are, you know, likely matched up, right. As far as skill wise, like once you get to that elite level, you know, everybody's pretty good. If you can get that edge just by walking into the building and get into another group's head, you know, like I said, it, it is almost one of those, you know, little jokey messages that you see in, in sports movies where like, you know, if the one team is is all uniform and the other team is, you know, you got them all wearing different clothes and, you know, their equipment is old and tattered and, you know, like I'm thinking of the original Mighty Ducks type thing. That's always the, you know, oh, that team's garbage because they're not dressed the same. But, oh, now they're good. And now they got the brand new gear and they're, you know, they're looking sharp. Now they're a good team. So, you know, again, that is that is something that, yeah, can get into other teams' heads. And, you know, if you do have the skill to back it up, sounds like these these young bucks, didn't, you know, they had the gear, but they didn't have the, the skill to back it up. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, if you have a team that uh, – can can back it up with the the physical performance um yeah that's that's definitely so, a, an advantage before before you know the whistle's even blown right so yeah. that is uh, have you yeah. 
have you done anything with your teams in the past or even you being a former athlete where your coaches or you per se have done something to try to build team cohesion? Something as simple as, you know, a team outing, team dinner, laser quest. I don't know, even just getting them to all dress up in ridiculous outfits. <laughs> uh, what have you done or been a part of uh, as, a, as an athlete or a coach? So we, with every team I've either played on or, you know, even here at Appleby since I've been coaching, um, you know, we would always have those little kind of team gimmicks that we would do, you know, the player of the game, you know, we dish out a hat or a helmet, you know, we used to give out a hard hat with a, with a sledgehammer for the player of the game. Um, and like hardest play of the game, got the sledgehammer player of the game, got the helmet, whatever. And, uh, it was something that, you know, was within the team that, you know, they all fought for and they respected and they got excited for. Um, and that does build cohesion on its own. Now we have, oh, you should see, so our, our head coach, uh, Dave Millick, he, uh, he got this, uh, actually that was him and, and our other assistant coach, uh, Luke Vandelhost. We, we got this giant foam, uh, cowboy hat, like almost like a deputy dog kind of cowboy hat. And that's what we use for the, for the boys, for, for player of the game. And it, it was something that certainly worked and, and built a lot of, uh, you know, did build a cohesive team because, and it added to it. Um, but it does have to start earlier than that too, right? It can't just be with these little player of the game things. We, even at Appleby, we were, um, before pre pandemic there, we were, we had big plans of, um, essentially having a, a full kind of Appleby training camp combine type thing for, for our, our hockey team. And it was going to be kind of on campus. Um, you know, we were actually looking to see if we could get away to maybe our Northern campus or somewhere, um, you know, where, where groups can kind of be challenged with, uh, you know, whether it be some kind of outdoor adventure, um, and, uh, you know, our Northern campus, we're lucky enough at Appleby to have this uh, Northern campus in Tomogamy, Ontario. And uh, we utilize it the exact same way for our, our grade nine and I guess uh, 10 students for, uh, for team building. And, you know, we see that that co group cohesion develop. I know both of us have done the Tomogamy trip in the past and uh, it's its intention is to do exactly that, build cohesion within a group of, of students that, you know, in this case, don't even really have a, a, a like-minded goal, right? They're just random students put in a, put under your name and you could see how much an outing like, uh, you know, a canoe trip or a camping trip um, really brings a group together. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you speak for your group, but I know that uh, my group, which actually is compiled of, of a number of athletes, some of them hockey players as well. Uh, after our, following our Tamagami canoe trip, that that feeling of cohesion and that feeling of, you know, the dynamic shifted from strangers to, you know, people that trust one another and people that, you know, want to be around one another and that want to help one another succeed and are actually interested in how the other person is, is overcoming their obstacles. Um, that is evident pretty quick. So, um, that's definitely something that we wanted to provide our athletes with. And we did have some big ambition, but uh, COVID kind of threw a uh, monkey wrench in that plan. But um, yeah, certainly those, those kind of outings um, can be really beneficial. I know there's, there's a spot up uh, just 
south of Orangeville called the Teen Ranch. And uh, that's where our Canada, Canadian World Junior team used to always host their, their camp, right? And it wasn't necessarily just hockey. They do have a rink on that, uh, on the Teen Ranch site, but it's, uh, it was more so used for, for just the, you know, they had the high ropes course. They had a lot of fun, like little activities that, that, um, they can utilize. And, uh, it's, it's essentially to, to build these experiences, right. To build trust, to build, um, you know, interest in, in strangers. Right. And, uh, it's, it's th- those kind of, uh, those kind of events, I think, are crucial for you know even before a team hits the hits the ice or hits the turf or hits the the field, whatever it is, or the court, um, just to you know get them to know one another and build that trust. Right. I agree, uh, Sean. I'm taking a look at the time. I think we are out. Uh, so Sean, thank you so much for, for coming on, uh, to the, to the teacher hotline. We've been talking about this literally for months now since the first day I launched this episode and you've been such a a big supporter and cheerleader for, for me to, to pump the show out and get episodes out week after week. So I really appreciate you finally coming on to an episode and, and share some of your knowledge in your field of sports psychology and coaching. Oh, no, thank you very much for having me. And, uh, yeah, you've definitely inspired me. Uh, you know, I, I've made that turn from practitioner for for my my old practice to uh yeah launching my own podcast uh, which is coming soon so yeah i'll plug myself there <laughs> and uh yeah absolutely yeah. you want to tell the audience uh what the episode or what the uh, show is yeah, called yeah, uh, coming and when is it going to launch so it's uh it's actually going to be under so you can find us on instagram it's uh focus north performance the it's uh, at focus and perform and uh yeah I'm br- i have a, a great list so far of uh some prospective guests, uh, you know, whether it be sports psych practitioners or, uh, you know, just mental health or, um, or, or athletic related, uh, guests coming up. So really excited about that. And yeah, again, thanks for the inspiration. <laughs> all right, Sean, thank you so much. And thank you to all our listeners for again, tuning into this week's episode of the teacher hotline. If you enjoyed this week's content, feel free to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for future updates. And of course, you can always listen to us every single Monday on Apple, Spotify, Google, and wherever else you get your podcast from. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you guys next week. Woo-hoo!